So I don't know if you are like me or, uh, or not, but I'm not a big weather person. So I, I have my apps on my phone that tell me the weather um, and those type of things. But here's how I check the weather in the morning. If I walk outside and I'm cold, I go back inside and put on more clothes, right? Um, and if I go outside and it's raining, I hope that there's still an umbrella in the car. It just means I'm going to park closer to the building the rest of the day, all right? I, I'm just not a big person that, that looks ahead at the weather. So I was really surprised when last Monday, January 2nd, I had the day off. Um, my wife and I went after lunch. We went grocery shopping, and we were grocery shopping Monday before snowpocalypse, okay? Monday before. Let me repeat that. Monday before Friday. And so we walk into the grocery store. We're doing our stuff. We're getting all of our groceries. And, and I get to the canned good aisle, and I thought, okay, this looks a little third-world-ish in here. Um, and then I got to the bread aisle. I don't like wheat berry, so there wasn't a lot of other choices there, okay, besides, you know, and so we, I found a loaf of bread, and, and I, we got a couple of bread delivery guys in, maybe in this service that, that go to church here, so um, you are our heroes, all right, the last two weeks, you saved us, obviously, because we wouldn't have survived without it, um, and so I, I, I get up to the cashier, and I said, the bread aisle was just a mess, and she said, you haven't heard? Um, no, ma'am. What, what haven't I not heard? She said, you haven't heard the weather forecast? I said, no. She goes, there's a big snow coming. Whew, big snow coming, right? So I go to the car. I come home. I turn on, open my laptop, you know, weather.com, 27292. I look it up where I live, my zip code. And, and at that point on Monday, big snow coming, the, the forecast was 20% chance of snow on Saturday with a dusting to one inch. And there's no bread. And so as the week went on, though, I realized I probably need to pay more attention this week to the weather. And so about Wednesday, I really started to kind of check into it. And, you know, we're at our house. I don't know if at your house we're, we're you know, we're going, do you think it's going to snow? Do you think it's going to snow? How much are you going to get? And the kids are getting excited. We're getting excited. We're thinking where they're not going to have church. But here's the deal. All year long, I've known where to find the weather. But when the weather became important, I decided to check it. When my schedule was going to change, when my life could change, when, I mean, literally, your life could be in jeopardy if you don't pay attention to the weather last week and when you're going to drive and how you're going to do things, my, my role as a leader, whether we have church, all those things were about to come into play. So Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I became a meteorologist, right? Like many of you. And man, I'm watching it. I'm tracking it. I'm trying to figure out, are we on the edge? Are we going to get it? And, and we got it. It was more than a 20%. It was more than a dusting. And I'm so glad that it's gone. Um, anybody else happy the snow's gone? All right. All right. No. You're voted off the island, whoever that was, all right? And, uh, and so we, uh, we do the same thing spiritually. We, we have more information than we have ever had regarding God's Word. We have more ability to listen to more people teach, some not good, but we have more opportunities to teach. I mean, I don't even have to come to church on Sunday. You can come and listen to me tomorrow on the church website. I mean, you can go and you can listen to your favorite pastor all over the United States. Whenever you want to listen, we have all this information. But my fear is this, that we treat sometimes our approach to our faith the same as we do to a mundane weather report. 
We go, man, it's spring. It's 70 outside. I don't need to check the weather. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going through life right now, and things are going pretty good. I don't, I don't need a spiritual update. I don't, need to, I don't need more instructions in my life. I got this pretty good. But the moment things begin to get interesting, the moment life becomes more difficult, the moment we see that things aren't going to go the way that we expected, all of a sudden we dive back into what we already knew was true. We go, okay, give it to me. Because now it's important. We perceive that there's seasons in our lives where God's word and his teaching are are more important than others. But the reality is, We should always be in the season, a new year, a new time of God pouring into us his instructions. They are important every day. And so what I want us to do this morning, I want us to look at uh, a book of the Bible this morning, uh, a passage, one chapter out of the Bible. It's found in Isaiah. If you could turn to Isaiah chapter 43 for me. Those of you, it's in the Old Testament, kind of towards the middle of the Old Testament. The big book, all right? So just keep looking, Isaiah chapter 43. Let me tell you a little bit about Isaiah And what's taking place here. It's a really interesting book of the Bible in that there is some history and there is uh, some recording of things that happened in the past. There's some things that were going on currently there to the people of Israel. And there were also prophecies that were given about Jesus Christ and his coming. So there's a lot that goes on in the book of Isaiah. A lot for us to wrap our minds around. But let me kind of set you up for the pattern of the book of Isaiah. In the Old Testament, there was a group of people, the people of Israel. They were God's chosen people. And there were moments in their history that we're going to see this morning that we're going to see how God is moving on their behalf and what's taking place. But Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, here's what we see kind of repeat over and over. We see the people of God. We see them rebelling against God. We see the consequences that God is going to push upon them for their sinfulness. And then we see them seek forgiveness in the grace of God. And you can press rewind, press play again. There are the people of God. There's the rebellion of the people of God. There is the recognition of the consequences. And there is the consequence that comes upon him. There's the seeking forgiveness. Replay it again. And it happens over and over and over. And as I'm reading through that and reminding myself of the book of Isaiah, it sounds like they're going, man, this is just a normal day. This is just what we do. We rebel. God forgives us. And we just keep coming back. I hope that this year for you, and I was walking in, I was looking at some of who you are, and some of you I know by name, some of you I don't. I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm praying for you that you would see that this year that God wants to do something new in you. That God wants to refresh, rekindle something inside of you. And it may be that you're in a season of rebellion. It may be that you're in a season of experience the consequence of your sin. Please know there's a God who offers forgiveness. And that's what we see in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. Let's look at it. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. Would you say that out loud with me this morning? It's right there on the screen for you. Fear not, For I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Oftentimes we read through scripture and we breeze through it without resting in it to see the beauty and the power 
of 16 words. 16 words. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. I mean, this is the Lord, the creator of all the universe, and he's speaking to the people of Israel, but he's also foretelling and laying this as a foundation for us that Jesus Christ was going to come. And when he came, he would conquer sin and death, and death was the consequence that each of us have for our sin. But God, in redemption, redemption means to buy someone back from something, to purchase someone out of something and into your life. And God sent Jesus Christ, his only son, as a redeemer for you. And Isaiah says to the children of Israel, and for us to wrestle with this morning, he says, God says to us this morning, I have redeemed you. I have bought you with a price. And I have called you by name. And you are mine. Don't we like to hear somebody call our name? Don't we like to have someone say something personal to us instead of just saying, hey you, and they look at you and they call you by name. Oh, me? Try it. Next time you go to a fast food restaurant, you call the server by their name and, and watch them wonder how they, you figured it out. And you look down, they've got a name tag. And they'll go, how did he know my name, right? Through a crazy set of circumstances, we uh, as a family we have uh, sort of, not legally, but we, we, I, I have grandchildren that, that live on the other side of the United States in California. They're not legally mine, um, but they're mine, okay? Uh, through a young lady and her husband, they grew up here, spent time here. He's now in the Navy. And uh, I have a name, and it's Papa, okay? Don't knock it. If you want some other grandparent name, you pick your own, all right? But mine's Papa, and, and Emily's is Mimsy, all right? And, uh, and so it's Papa and Mimsy. And, and so this last week, they called Papa on his phone, not Mimsy. <laughs> right? And they FaceTimed with Papa. And, and when we got on the screen, uh, the youngest, her name's McKinley, she said, hey, Poppy. Poppy? Yeah, that's me. I'll take whatever you want to give me, all right? Whatever you want to call me, sweetheart, you can call me that. I'll take that name as long as you call me by it. And man, there's a part of me, and it's not even a legal adoption, but there's a part of them, the love that we have for them and our family. And when she called me Poppy, Pawpaw, whatever she called me inside my heart, I went, whoa, yeah. I know I'm too young for grandkids, but I've got some, all right? And, and I like when they call me by name. And the creator of the universe, listen to me this morning. If this is you this morning, and you are struggling to think you have no identity, that you have no hope, that your past is here to bury you day after day, know this, fear not. God has bought you with a price, and he calls you by name. And you are his. You're his child. You're his child. Don't be confused. And Isaiah goes on to say this, not only redeemed, but we're restored. He says in verse 2, he says, when you pass through the waters, he's explaining the depth of his love for us here. Listen to this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not, shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
I gave Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba. So he's saying to the people of Israel, I'm willing to give up nations for you in exchange for you. Verse 4, listen to this. Don't speed through Scripture. He says, because you are precious in my eyes and honored. And I love you. God speaks to his children for us to look back upon and grow from this. He says, I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. And we see in the New Testament, he did in fact do that, except not a random country or a random people for the sins of mankind. He offered his only son, Jesus Christ, as a payment for our sins. And he says to us, I love you. I don't know what else could grab your attention more here sort of at the beginning of January of 2017 than the creator of the universe saying, fear not, I've redeemed you. I've called you my name. You are mine. He goes on to say, I love you. You are precious to me. I will give things in exchange for you. I've bought you. I've redeemed you. Please, this morning, if this morning your identity is lost, It's been damaged by what someone else has said or poured into you for years of your life. Listen this morning to the God of the universe. He says, I have offered my son Jesus Christ for you to redeem you, to call you by name. You are mine. We are redeemed and we are children of God. We are redeemed. We are children of God. He goes on to say in verse 5, fear not for I am with you. I'll bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, there's our purpose, to bring glory to God, whom I formed and made. He says, listen, I don't care if you're to the north, south, east, or west, how far you've gone. I've created you for my glory. Come to me. Now this passage goes on, speaks of redemption, speaks of restoration. This passage goes on. And in verse 18 and 19, after some verses there in the middle, 18, 8 through 17, really where God is saying to those, hey, if there's any witnesses against me or for me, let them bring their case. Let them try to argue that this is not who I am as God. But then in verse 18, I want us to see something important this morning, January 15th, 2017. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Now again, let me set the stage for you who these people are. They're God's children, chosen by God. From Genesis chapter 12, they're called by, through Abraham that they will outnumber the stars. They will be his people, but Everything was not rosy and everything didn't go as mankind would have planned. These people found themselves enslaved for 400 plus years. A guy by the name of Moses comes and through God they experience what we know as the Exodus where they left slavery. 
They get to a point in their journey. They get to the Red Sea, and the Red Sea's in front of them. The Egyptian army's behind them, and you think the story has come to a close. God opens up the Red Sea. They cross over, and you think, okay, at this moment, they live happily ever after. No, then they start getting into trouble because then they start to deny the promises of God. The instructions of God, how could they? They were brought out of, they walked through. How could they forget these things? How could they build false idols? The moment their leader goes to the mountaintop, they begin to build idols to worship other gods. Just like that. They had some really high moments. But they had a lot of moments, Scripture says, of rebellion and disregard for the information disregard for the teachings that God had placed in their leadership. But God says to them what? Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. God's not hanging out in your past, Israel. He's not staying in your past. He he wants you to move forward. He's not remaining there and he's not going to bring that back up for you to bury you one more time he says no remember not the former things nor consider the things of old verse 19 says behold i am doing a new thing he says don't hang out in the past behold i am doing a new thing now it springs forth do you perceive it The God who redeems is also a God who restores. So those of you this morning who need to hear that God loves you, that he's called you by name, he redeems us, he bought us with a price, but he not only redeems us, he restores us, he prepares us to be used by him for what he says here. I've got new things. Do you perceive it? Now, some of you refer to someone as they have good intuition, This is not intuition. This is not a hunch that he's referring to. Do you have a hunch what God is doing? Do you kind of know what God is doing? Do you think you know? He says, do you perceive it? Do you know what I'm going to do? Quite literally, God is asking through Israel to his people. He's saying, don't you know it? Aren't you aware Haven't you figured it out? Are you understanding what's happening? Do you know who I am and what I have done for you as a nation? Do we know what God and understand and grasp what God has done for us through Jesus Christ? Are you aware? Don't you know? He's got us for a purpose. And verse 21 reveals it. The people from it, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might what? Declare my praise. So he's saying, "How I'm going to do a, a new thing. Do you know what? Do you know it? Do, do you believe that? Are you, are you staying in the past? Are you staying in your sinfulness? Are you staying in your guilt? Are you staying with what someone else has cast upon you? Are you staying in your really good memories of what happened maybe in your life and you can't seem to leave those moments for reaching out for what God may have in store for you? God says he is going to do a new thing. Do you know it? I'll make a way in the wilderness, he says, and rivers in the desert. Do you perceive it? God desires for us to put our past behind us and look towards our future, not because of what we have done, but because what he is 
doing and has done for us. So this past year, we've been asking in leadership of our church, we want to know what God desires. We want to perceive what we can be about in our community by shaping our community, by sharing the grace of Jesus Christ. How do we impact our community? Now listen, we've got people returning today from Southeast Asia. Um, they're probably on a trip right now who've been out in some of the most remote places uh, in another country in the world, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, getting stomach bugs and all the things that go with it. We've, we've got people that later this year will go to Guinea-Bissau. We've got people that will go to Honduras and Romania. And here's what we've been asking lately is, what about us? What about the reality that in certain places in Davidson County, 70 to 80% of people do not attend the local church And if you were to examine that and say the probability is many of them don't have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to do a new thing. Do you perceive it? And so this year we we are have been praying and are meeting with leadership of our church and we'll share more with you and kind of bring that information to you more. But we're praying about not just praying but moving forward and planting another church in Davidson County in 2017. And I know the, the automatic reaction from some people is, man, I passed six churches on the way to get here today. I mean, do we really need another church? Well, if 70 to 80% of people in our county don't have a growing, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, they're not all coming here, and they're not all going down the road, or the six churches you passed on going down the road. We need more churches to share the Redeemer message in our county. And so we're going to be about that. It's going to be interesting. It's, we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to do things that maybe we don't even comprehend or grasp in, in the moment. But if you are new with us this morning, I want you to know, if you are a normal attender here, uh, I say that lightly, none of us are normal here, uh, but man, we are some crazy folks. And we've been a part of some incredible things. Seven years ago, we entered into a country with no missionaries, with no help, walked into a country in Guinea-Bissau, West Africa, and now years later, there's four churches and there's multiple hundreds of believers that have given their lives to Jesus Christ because some of you have gone. That's a new thing. That's a being obedient to the Spirit, growing and saying, you know what? I don't want to serve as a pastor of a church who hangs out in the what used to be. And I believe that many of you have been brought here for a purpose and for a reason to say, I don't want to remain where I am individually or as a church. I want to see what is the new thing that God is bringing about for us in 2017. So now we've laid that out there for you to begin to think about. The reason I share that with you this morning is because as I was reading Isaiah 43, the beginning of this year, January 1st, January 2nd, I began to ask myself, and this is not a new idea that we just came up with as a church for months and years, but who am I to muzzle the message? Who am I to quiet the message? Fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Who am I to assume that if I don't want to take that outside of these walls, that it doesn't need to go? 
Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. We also have, as a continuation of that message in verse 25, a message to share that we cannot hold inside. It says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Thousands of people in our own county don't know that truth. And it is our responsibility to go. It's our responsibility to go to Guinea-Bissau. It's our responsibility to go to Romania. It's our responsibility to go to, I think, Wyoming this summer and Red Springs, North Carolina. It's our responsibility, but it is our responsibility to say, I will take fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. I will take that message. I will take, I will blot out every transgression for my sake and I will not remember your sins. That's your message. That's your gospel to share. That's your good news. I want you to repeat a couple things after me. He will redeem. Let's try it again. That was a great first try. Let's give it another shot. He will redeem. He will restore. He will do new things. He will redeem. He will restore. He will do new things. Do we believe that? Do we believe that as a congregation? Do we believe that God is stirring new things in your heart? I believe some of you have been waiting for not just that. There's other things that we'll continue to share with you about this upcoming year, about our summer and all the things that God has just laid out in front of us. But we want to be a part of a new thing, and we want to know it. In order to know it, we've got to be familiar with him and not treat his word as a great seven-day forecast, but come to it knowing this world is in great difficulty. This world needs attention. This world, we, we need to focus in on God's instruction for us. It can change my life. It can change my future. It can change my plans. But I'll trust the God to do a new thing. Two things I want to ask you to pray for as church members, all right? Those of you who are guests, you can pray those as well. But I want to make sure those of us in our church, we begin praying this in 2015 first. Pray for our church to never stop wanting to experience new works of God. Pray for our church to never stop wanting to experience new works for God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says, I will want and desire to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or you could ever imagine. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. It's a command from his word, so that's where we want to be confident in. Pray that we as leaders and our church would never stop wanting to experience the new works of God. Second, pray for God to direct each of us, each of us individually, to be bold in proclaiming the redemption and the restoration of God in our community and in our lives. Pray for God to direct each of us to be bold in proclaiming the redemption and the restoration of God in our community, and in our lives. He will redeem. He will restore. He will do new things. Let's pray this morning.